Generals, welcome to the One Graham Army Podcast. I am Graham. I have a very special guest here with us today, Mr. Adam Mitchell. How are you, sir? Live and kicking, baby. Excellent. All right, listeners, don't forget, you can get in touch with the One Graham Army Podcast by dialing 847-665-9238. You leave a message, you save the world. Also, that exclusive One Graham Army Podcast t-shirt is still available at shirtcaviar.com. And uh, welcome to you, sir. What's going on, brother? How are you? A little tired, but I'll make it. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, well, and you're a brave man. I certainly appreciate you stepping up. <laughs> we're finally, we've been talking about this for a while. It's been a hot minute. But we finally put it together. Um, I, I guess the main reason I was interested in having you on is because you have an interesting backstory. You know, uh, former law enforcement official, current <laughs> sud slinger extraordinaire. Yeah, it's been a wild ride, man. Yeah. I'll put it that way. Yeah, see, and I have, uh, I, I was mentioning it earlier before we started the podcast that I've, I've always had an uh, interest in bartenders because of my darker days in the past and how much time I've spent in bars. You know, if, you, if you're a regular in bars in the, in the dark fashion that I was, you really develop an appreciation for the industry, how things work, <laughs> yeah. how people are treated, what to avoid, what not to avoid. Your regulars are your uh, your basis of your money, but they also make that job so much more enjoyable and put a little meaning behind it. I mean, you get your your professional alcoholics that you deal with six, seven nights a week, but yeah. at the same time, you get a little bit of a compassion towards them, you know? Of and course. They, you know, but bring some humanity to a debaucherous industry. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I like that you use that phrase, like develop a little bit of humanity, because, and that's how I've always looked at people, too. You know, I think... Uh, yeah, even now, if I go into a bar to have a couple of drinks, I always see the older people sitting at the end of the bar and I'm always, you know, there before the grace of God go I, <laughs> you know, like where there's there's anytime I see anybody, you know, you know, down one of those roads, I'm always like, you know, that could easily have been me. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's good. I think that that's an important service that bars provide that people may not understand is that like giving people like that a place to go and feel accepted and have someone to talk to. It's a melting know. pot, man. I think it's uh, the the only true version of the American experiment that actually worked out. Yeah. You know, true. I mean, where country was founded in pubs, people arguing politics and now, you know, don't allow that, but we still allow them to come in there and be who they want to be. Yeah. As long as you don't cause problems, I don't have to kick you out and beat the shit out of you. But you know, <laughs> you know, I've always wondered about that too. And I guess that was sort of like where I was going to go next is the, uh, you know, it was just St. Patrick's day and I was thinking about it before you got here. And you know, I, me and Tony spoke about it after new year's. Uh, there's certain holidays at my age now where I really am not interested in going out like I once was. Uh, and St. Patrick's Day and New Year's being the main offenders because it just brings oh, yeah. out the amateurs. <laughs> it is 100% amateur hour, man. I mean, I probably had, you know, 15 kids that played D&D in their mom's basement in the bar last night. Absolutely. Trying to power drink. And, of course, I facilitated their needs because... <laughs> your job. You know, when yeah. in Rome. But uh, it, it's it's just, as a bartender, like tonight, you know, it's actually St. Patty's Day. And I could go to Macon and see my friends and drink. But the fuck I'm going to do that shit? No. Right. I'm not going to... No. They, I'm not going out when everyone that drinks twice a year is going out. Yeah, it's, it's a bad brutal. idea. It's brutal. It's a really you know? bad idea. Well, and that was always... See, that was... And um, not to be specific, 
specific because we always on this podcast preface it that we broadcast from a uh, 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 undisclosed location yeah. somewhere in Georgia here in the bunker at the Ministry of Silly Talk. But the uh, <laughs> but you know I, I I was a fan of the bar you worked at in my bar going days because I've never really been a big like sports bar with 50 TVs in yeah. it, uh, chain sort of situation. Those have never been my bars. I've always been a dive bar guy, yeah. dimly lit, mostly people just drinking. Well, it's, good. it's like a Stevie Ray Vaughan kind of vibe, man. You want, yeah. you want smoke in the air. You want a little bit yeah. of angst. You want some you know, dude in a cheap suit drinking scotch because he lost his money in the stock market. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, you want that kind of vibe, and you're not going to get that at Buffalo Wild Wings. Or God, no. You're not going to get that at some sports bar. You know, too many TVs, too much Wi-Fi. You know, it's people on their phones not talking or arguing about sports. Not my vibe. Do your fucking thing, but, yeah. you know. Well, and, it's, and those, those kinds of fun conversations come up in bars I enjoy going to, but it happens more organically. It's less forced. Yep. The bar, the uh, the people working in the kind of bars I go to, too, aren't like the people at Buffalo Wild Wings where, like, the servers, where it's basically, like, thinly veiled prostitution. It's a bunch of, like... <laughs> yeah, we're open about our prostitution yeah, at exactly. uh, dive bars. We know yeah, what we're absolutely. doing. <laughs> yeah, if, yeah, if someone is a prostitute in one of those bars, it's widely known and accepted. Uh, uh, yeah, they normally a, tip pretty well, too, if they had a good week. So. <laughs> Excellent. Well, see, there's something to be said for that, too, being plugged into that that uh, under the underlying economy of Man, serving alcohol. You know, you always got a guy for something when you bartend. Mm-hmm. You know, I, the first place I, I worked at, I bartended for some senators, state representatives, Damn. had some city councilmen. You know, I had a night where I had two uh, young black, you know, my early 30s black men that was one was a state representative, one was a city councilman, or not city councilman, he was a county commissioner. Mm-hmm. And we sat there, the only customers in there, and we talked policy and politics. As a bartender, that's an ex-cop with two young black men politicians. That was one, <clears throat> excuse me, hell of a weird night. Yeah. But it was absolutely amazing. Great people, great conversation, good whiskey. And then you go, and I've got three strippers sitting at the bar I'm at now. You know, (laughs) they're drinking, literally drinking Jaeger bombs in a wine glass because they feel it's fancier. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. I could see that too. There's a lot of variations in bars and I know, I know the bar you work at too. So strippers is a term we use, (laughs) lose, use lightly. I'd say maybe, you know, women who take their clothes off for money. (laughs) I don't know if they've earned the title. I don't know if they have their diplomas hanging on the walls or not. Um, But yeah, well, and you know, those kind of conversations are important. And I've had a lot, even in my travels, you know, I've been all over the world. um, Almost all of my favorite conversations I've ever had have either happened in a bar or in the last two years in this room. You know, it's, it's, uh, the experience of talking to people, learning about them, sharing your perspectives without the wall of like social media or of, you know, some need for pretense impeding your ability to get your points across is so important for a person's growth. Absolutely. And, you know, alcohol is definitely a social lubricant. <coughs> Sometimes an anal lubricant. No, I'm just kidding. Don't use <laughs> I, it for that. No, fair enough. I mean, there were some wild times in my early 20s. So. <laughs> don't, don't, yeah, listeners, do not use alcohol as an anal lubricant. That was a really cheap butt sex joke. Yeah, Asher Glide works a lot better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, hopefully, soon to be a sponsor. <laughs> But yeah, I do think I do think those things are important. And I mean, and I did want to ask you about this. And obviously, you you know, carte, you know, carte blanche to answer as much or as little as you want. I know yeah. you said you used to be a cop. And I, I kind of intentionally didn't ask you much about it when I met you. Because when you said you do the podcast, this was kind of when I wanted to ask you yeah. just a little bit about it. Um, I'll preface it by just saying that for me, I, you know, 
I had a lot of negative experiences with police when I was younger. Uh, I was also a horrible retard. You know what I mean? Like a lot of that I brought upon myself and a lot of people I know have had negative experiences with the police, even if they're not at a point in their life where they can admit it, they were behaving like assholes. Um, that doesn't somehow it, I'm aware too, though, that they're heavy handed police officers. I had interactions with police officers also growing up in Chicago where the guy was just a maniac with a gun. Well, you got you personal know. accountability on one side, then you have personal accountability on the other side. Yeah. And I'll tell you, man, I, I the job has a good point behind it. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's a inherent honor that should be in it, but you know, I don't believe blue anymore, man. That that stuff has been out of that that field for so long. You know, going in, I I tried to enlist. I always said I was too fat, and I'm gonna be honest, I probably was too <laughs> fat to get in the military. So I took the second route and became a cop. And your your training is very militant mm-hmm. you know you the first day in the academy they tell you you walk in a room you have a plan to kill everybody i still do that that's ingrained in my head yeah i hate that like do you know how like talking about fighting for humanity in a bar you know how hard it is to fight to maintain humanity when you're a cop when right. every thought you have is are this person going to try to kill me how am i going to try to kill them these are u.s citizens these are people i live around yeah these are family and friends maybe not mine but somebody else's and approaching every situation with that mindset even if it's self-preservation it's still toxic Agreed. You know, and I can say that, yeah, you know, people fuck up. Cops come take care of the problem. Sometimes they fuck up more. We got to take care of it a little bit different ways. But at the same time, I mean, I've seen cops do stuff that I regrettably should have probably ratted on or not ratted on, but, you know, been a whistleblower. Yeah, yeah. In some way. But, you know, because of my rank, position, time there, I didn't have the power to do so, or I was just too timid and scared. And, it now, especially being out and not having that ingrained like indoctrination in my head, I see it from a different, you know, light. And also I'm interacting with different people now, you know, when you're a cop, you interact with cops. That's yeah. it. And firefighters fucking hate firefighters. So <laughs> yeah. bunch of hose draggers, you know, <laughs> I'm sorry. You put wet shit on hot shit. You work out, you sleep, you eat and wash a truck, you know, fuck yeah. you. You know? <laughs> this, uh, you know, that sounds though, it's me and Tony as air force veterans. This sounds like talking to someone in the army. who's like, yeah. fuck those air force guys. You get to have sex with women, <laughs> going, staying in hotels. Fuck those guys. <laughs> hey, there wasn't a draft, buddy. <laughs> Just flash your ASVAB score and flick them off. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, sorry to interrupt. But no, yeah. you're good, man. You're um, good. But I think, you know, if I can, I think that that's, uh, like you said, where you go into a room and you feel like you have to have a plan to kill everybody or that everybody's oh, trying yeah. to kill you. Mm-hmm. If you're constructing a system like that, how can you expect anybody except for the most mentally well put together people to be able to survive in a system like that and still see the people they interact with on a daily basis as humans? Oh, it's, it's, you're set up from failure from the beginning, man. I mean, it's, especially when this state, you know, you can technically pass the, uh, the mandate, the police academy with an eighth grade education. Jeez. And then you're given a badge, a gun, maybe a few guns, depending on what you're doing or where you're at. I mean, shit, I carried two, three, Six guns. That was a lot of counting for yeah, the number yeah. of guns on one person. I carried three handguns on me, attack pistol in my trunk, a rifle, a shotgun, attack vest, and about 500 rounds of ammo, and I was oh basic God. patrol. Wow. Yeah, I mean, but, you know, at the same time, we're scanning rooftops in the hood at 2 o'clock in the afternoon on a Tuesday, four yeah. cops, and that's making sure we don't get ambushed just trying to remove someone from an apartment. Yeah, agreed. And, I mean, and that kind of thing, too, though, the, the nature of your job where essentially you are – in the military because like we arm our military that way but then we send them away you know and i've noticed 
in my own research and my own experience, basically uh, starting in the late 90s and then especially five, six years after the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan started, the military be- or the military, the police becoming more of a paramilitary force. It's more um, you had you had more people coming back and performing a duty that was similar to what they did in a foreign country. Except for now, you're just sending them to a neighborhood where people don't look like them yeah, and, and, then, yeah. and then expecting them to not react to that in the way that they were trained previously to that. Exactly. You I know mean, what I mean? And know. it's not an, it, none of this excuses what goes on. And I think we're all probably on the same page as far as like the way things happen in certain situations and how both both parties in some ways are traumatized by the existence of the other. I mean, um, you can blame, you can go back and get deep on that on politics and poverty and economics and social yeah. constructs. But I mean, yeah, you, you have, you know, especially in, in the area I policed in, it was a heavy veteran population. So most of our officers had military background. You know, we had some recon Marines, some combat medics. We've had infantry guys. Um, we've had a bunch of security forces that were, you know, combat vets. So, yeah. you know, we had a lieutenant that, I mean, got his body count in Iraq and Afghanistan, you know, was a lot higher than what you'd imagine. Of course. Comes over here and he's got two shoots under his belt. You know, he's still a good lieutenant. He's still a good cop. But you can tell that he is predisposed for a mistrusting, angry, violent reaction situations. And, you know, he was justified in his shoots, and I'll, I'll back him on that all day long. Yeah. But at the same time, that's a lot of stress. That's a lot of mental stress, physical stress you're putting on somebody. I mean, if you haven't been shot at... That's one hell of a fun adrenaline rush, but afterwards it's not so much fun. Yeah. Well, you know? and that happens to a lot of people I know are combat veterans describe it in a way of saying that, like, it's not that they're traumatized by what happened. The trauma comes after your brain isn't feeding you those oh, endorphins. Yeah. You're not feeling that sense of community. You're not you're not feeling that that like deep in your reptile brain feeling of like us against them. And so you're also talking a lot now about veterans who served in a war where in their military training, they were like, you're a killer. Like if we send you somewhere, shit has hit the fan. Your job's to be a killer in yeah. these wars. As it was in Vietnam, the large, the biggest mistake was to try to use a hammer as a screwdriver to try yeah. to send, send people you have trained and predisposed to rapid acts of violence, you know, uh, preliminary strikes. You've trained these people to do that. And then you send them somewhere and tell them to be a diplomat. And then they learn how to survive based on their training. Then they come home and you send them to the West side of Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you know, you've set up a failure. I mean, you have your ROEs changing all the time, you know, in, in through different theaters, you have the UN and Geneva convention dictating rules and war. I mean, I think it's easy to say war really doesn't have any rules uh-huh. in the sense it's war. It's nasty. It's violent. It's going to be that way. It's over quicker if you are nasty and you are violent. I mean, yeah. we would have prolonged what World War II by probably a year or two if we actually invaded all the islands and mainland Japan. Uh, yeah, it's, no. a, it's inconceivable. We dropped two nuclear bombs. Now, horrible action yeah. led to a lot of issues later, but that ended the problem. Yep. You know? That's war. When you try to turn soldiers into cops, it's bad. When you try to turn cops into soldiers, it's bad. Yeah. No, they can. They didn't see. And the police, um, police have so much PR 
shit to worry about. You know what I mean? Like there's <laughs> yeah, so much, no there's so God. much in a police officer's life that involves, you know, cause, cause somebody, some young politician always has some idea about what the police should be doing. You know what I mean? And coming from Chicago, I can tell you this for sure. Cause a lot of times the people would run on these platforms of like, here's what I'm going to do with the police. I'm going to teach them to tell the difference between someone who's schizophrenic and on angel dust. You know Can what I mean? You like, tell? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Uh, I bought a dude on bath salts. I had no idea what he was on until I had a undercover narcotics unit back me up. All the other cops were at a bomb threat. And so I'm fighting this guy on the side of the road for 30 minutes by myself. Jesus. An undercover narcotics unit had uh, one of their nieces call them and say they saw a cop fighting and they came, pulled up and helped me. And they're the ones that let me know he was on bath salts because that's what they deal with all the time. I was like, really? Yeah. I just fought for the dude in bath salts for 30 minutes. Like, I had no idea what he was on. Of course not. I didn't not. give a shit what he was yeah, on. Yeah, you just didn't want him to get your gun. Yeah. Like, that's I, the I, 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 name I, of the game. Yes. That's mine, <laughs> not yours, buddy. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And, and you know, that's always, there's always that gray area. But there there were some things I learned growing up, too, where it was like, you know, reaching for a cop's gun is a death sentence. Oh, you know what I mean? Yeah, it, that, that's, yeah, don't don't touch my shit. Yeah, man. there are things, there are things in this life where when you're interacting with other people, you can have a card in your pocket that tells you what to say. You can know all your rights. You can feel like you have some sort of understanding of the machinations of the society we live in. But two things to me that are guaranteed death sentence are running up in someone else's house uninvited with, you know, intentions to do harm and reaching for a cop's gun. Yeah, or um, reaching for your glove box too quickly yeah that can be a problem too. yeah and then but see and then that being another issue with being a cop i mean we could go on and on and on and that is too though that like if a police officer shoots somebody it's very, they know that we all know and they can be like oh he tried to grab my gun yeah that's you know and, and that's and where, that's where like messy. i'm really glad cops are getting more body cams now mm-hmm. you know i never had a body cam when i was a cop we couldn't afford it you know what I do mean, you think about that do you think you would have preferred to wear one absolutely that that's that's the way that covers my ass all day long Right. You know, as long as you're not doing something wrong, why would you be mad if there's a camera there? I can see that. Yeah. You know, I mean, if you're going to be a dirty cop, yeah, you don't want a camera. If you're a good cop. No. Yeah. I mean, the law covers us. We, you know, we are held to a higher standard on the law, but there's also things that we can do that regular civilians can't. Um, Like, you know, you have two code sections in our, our state law that dictate the use of deadly force. There's a civilian version that says you can use deadly force if someone's trying to harm you, great bodily harm or death, somebody right. else. They're between two brands. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, someone's, you know, committing a forcible felony. So like you're in a gas station, someone pulls out a gun or a knife, robbing the gas station, you can shoot and kill them while they're doing it. Cops get all that, but cops can also shoot and kill you if they deem you're a threat to society. So let's Yeesh. say, and those are, that's the wording is threat to society. Yeah, I don't, I'm not, don't quote, it, quote me, okay. don't quote me verbatim, but it, it just the example was given, you know, let's say someone does rob that gas station with a handgun, then they run. You as a civilian can't shoot them when they're running. Me as a cop go shit. There's a school that way in a neighborhood that way over there. They've got a gun. They just committed a crime. I believe that they're going to be a danger to that school. That's in that neighborhood. I'm going to end that threat. And that's why I'm going to shoot you in the back. See, it's, uh, yeah. See, and that's the thing too, is that it's so difficult to have this conversation with people um, in large. And I don't, and I don't even mean like, I'd like a, somehow I have it figured out and it's difficult for me to have this conversation with other people. It's a difficult conversation for human beings who live in this country to have with one another because it's so nuanced and there's oh, yeah. such a, it's all gray area. Well, that and your laws on deadly force change depending on what state you're in. Yeah. I mean, you got to think not every, like people say you're murder in the third degree. 
we don't have murder in the third degree. Right. We have, you know, different versions of murder, but you know, your laws change in every state. So you're having, you know, you'll have a situation that happens in Missouri and people in New York are commenting on it. And morally there might be one thing that's right legally. You know, you have a lot of differences. Yeah. You know, I mean like, uh, let's go to New York city. If you're carrying a handgun up there, that's against the law unless you have a very stringent, you know, right. yeah, licensing process. You carry there. a handgun down here. Well, I'm going to be like, yeah, what you carrying? That's nice. Cool. Don't die. Don't reach for it. Right. Yeah, <laughs> you know? exactly. See, and that's interesting to me too, is that, you know, living in places, you know, for a law enforcement official in places where a lot of the po- civilian population is armed. I do wonder if it swings the other way. Cause like, you know, growing up in Chicago, like if you were, you know, if you were interacting with the police and someone even said fun and thought someone said gun, the police would immediately go to 50. Everyone's on their face in the middle of the street the streets blocked off like even the mention of the existence of a firearm sets everything off it's a I, culture man yeah see and it i is. wonder if you're you know like here in the south where if someone was like hey that guy's got a gun you would probably just be like well what's he doing with it yeah like, like I mean, what do you mean he just owns one dude funny story i'll tell you right yeah. so i'm a <laughs> i'm a rookie cop right when you're a rookie cop you know your first three months you go on what's called field training you ride with three different officers and uh, you do different shifts, whatever. And these veteran officers, you know, they're, they're teaching you how to do the job. You're a full yeah. cop. You've gone through the academy. You got the gun and badge. You're gung ho. You know, absolutely. You feel like you got a ten foot dick. Yeah. You know, ready to rock and roll. Very so, familiar with that. Yeah, yeah. Some basic training. Yeah. You familiar with ten foot dicks? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The basic training. That was they, we had a whole week. It was yeah. ten foot dick week. Yeah. 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 <laughs> It's a whole out, yeah. it was a whole outdoor yeah. training. We're yeah. not really. See, I tried to, to enlist the Marines, it. not the Air Force. Okay, you know, <laughs> we went through it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so we pulled this car over. Right, he had changed uh, lanes in the middle of an intersection. Two thirty in the morning on a Friday night. Boom, DUI. Knew it. Gonna go get him. Pull him over. Right. Pull him out. You know, he's drunk. He's yeah. got warrants. So at that point. You know, we're searching the car for signs of intoxicants, and also we're going to have to tow the car, so we have to itemize everything in it to make oh, sure yeah. that his property isn't stolen. Boom, I go into the driver's seat. I find a pistol under the driver's seat. So I'm a rookie. I'm like, ah, I got a gun. You know, yeah. And my, yeah. my training officer was like, yeah, I got a gun. You got a gun. Everyone's got a fucking gun. Yeah. And, you know? <laughs> yeah. and so I was like, oh, okay. So I run the seal number. Boom, it was stolen. So, right. yeah, but it, but that the was the whole point. initial excitement yeah, 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 yeah. was basically like, yeah. yeah he's, like, is... shut, he's like, shut the fuck up. It's, yeah. it's, it's Georgia. Yeah. Everyone has a Literally gun. Literally everyone has a gun. <laughs> yeah. No, I could see that. Um, I do, you know, I want to ask you something real quick, though, if you could give me a moment to cue this up. Um, <coughs> Excuse me. Let's see here. As a law enforcement official, I wondered how you would deal with a situation <laughs> like this. Come out of order, I see Bitch, feel that cast up on the bed, on the mic, nigga, boy, nigga, feel that cast up. We're going to watch this all the way through. This is a classic clip for this podcast. Boy, I don't give a fuck about none of that. No. (laughs) (laughs) Feel that bag up. (laughs) See what you own. Feel that bag up, nigga, boy. Nigga, feel that bag up right now, nigga. I need all that. I need all that right now. Feel that bag up right now. Come on, hurry up. Feel that bag up. Feel that bag up. Come on, let's go. Let's go. Hey, hey. Right now. Bitch. Let's go. Family. Feel that bag up. Right now. Family. Bitch, 
Coming right to the take down, which I think you're gonna really family. enjoy. Oh my god. Right now. Get that bag up. You about to go right to KLG? Send that killing guy to come. Get that bag up. Right now. This is my What's favorite. Boy? Boy? No, no, no. What's, What's up, boy? The police What's coming. up, boy? The police coming. Come on. Come on, man. Get that bag up. Come on, man. Right now. Down like he's putting him to bed here. Oh, here we go. Tripping on me. Night, night, homie. <laughs> <laughs> All I can think of is uh, you know Wolf of Wall Street when they're talking about the uh, the bowling midgets or was it the, the yeah. you know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's a classic around here. That was beautiful. You know, I, fe- I felt like you may have an appreciation for that man. Is that being a day where uh, a, Dude, a, yeah. that was happening? Everyone involved is super confused. You get a call for a robbery in progress. I'm assuming there's somebody, and there's got to be a by the way in the call. Yeah. Robbery in progress being uh, conducted by an unarmed assailant, uh, black male, two feet tall. (laughs) (laughs) That, you know, you end up becoming pretty good friends with the dispatchers. That's one of those where I would give them an actual call on their cell phone. You go, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> like, are you, Was are there you, no one else on scene that could have put this together? Yeah, like, I, I hope you send backup because we've got to get this at least a couple different angles. So we can watch it later in the day room. Like, Yeah, yeah I'm a little disappointed by that YouTube video because I keep looking because that's one of my favorite things I've ever seen on the Internet. And um, <laughs> it's actually a big part of that show. It's part of it's it's uh, it's on my soundboard. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Come out of all that shit. Feel that bag up. <laughs> it's a, right now. Yeah, it's a whole, uh, yeah, it's it's become a whole uh, thing on right this now. podcast. That's obviously on there, too. Good call. See, we're all, we're all on the same page here. Yeah, we're vibing, man. We the know, same wave league, dude. Yeah, dude, we know what's funny. Um, but yeah, that. Yeah, Midget's robbing a gas station. Yeah, that video has always just made my day. I remember the first time I saw it, too. I just kept watching it over and over again. Um and this wasn't like a setup. I wasn't like, let's have a serious conversation about policing just to close on that. No, you know what no, I mean? That's a great that's, But I felt like that was good to, you know, cleanse the palate a little bit, you know, because I feel enough. like we had important discussions here today. Yeah. Uh, we had some, uh, you know, and we had a few yucks. Now, are you, f- have you ever seen this before? Um, let's see here. If I can do this. I'm just, this is like learning to play a new instrument. This is another thing we're a big fan of around here. <laughs> And he's so big. You too will see the glory of God. 
And Jesus gave uh, Peter, who didn't know the answer to the question about pay, paying his bill. That's something. That's just doing what you say you'll do to get God to do what he said he would do. It's a vow of faith. The power of the Holy Ghost. That's where it's at. Hallelujah. The first thing that happens, that's it. Lie, man, I crop dust behind the bar all the time. I would imagine. Why is this loud enough? Call me right now. But I six two zero sixty two. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's get the vows and all the prayer requests here. What's yeah? There's so much of that too, but. Yeah, that's also a classic around here. We did, actually for listeners who listened to the last week's episode, they'll know I, uh, I, I broke down the entire deep meaning of that in my life. Um, <laughs> pastor <laughs> gas, man. Yeah, the pastor gas, farting preacher, whatever you want to call it. You know that particular preacher though is a real piece of shit. I mean, most preachers on TV are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't want to caveat, but he's an especially big piece of shit, and so and actually people have been doing this to him since the 80s. There's new videos on, apparently he's back on TV. There's new oh, videos of him on YouTube, because yes. he'll be speaking and he'll make these faces like, oh, Jesus is talking to me, but it obviously looks like he's farting, you know what I mean? So the, some genius went ahead and dubbed in the fart noises, uh, but that guy has been sued a bazillion times. It's weird too, though, because in those telethons, he was taking money from people for him to pray for them, so which it's is like a Catholic church, right? I was gonna say, yeah, I was like, have, <laughs> did we not go through the Reformation? Yeah, no I mean, one are you just spitting on Martin Luther and Jonathan Edwards. Absolutely, like, come on. that's clearly what's going on there. There's paper to a door for this shit, like you yeah. Know. And a Catholic church can't be happy with them for stealing their shtick, I know, like, right? Copyright infringement. Yeah, he's I the mean. he's a Carlos Mencia of pay for <laughs> prayer, right? <laughs> like, yeah, real. You see a priest coming in, like, low ride. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I took last week's sermon and added essay to it, Holmes. What's <laughs> <laughs> good, fool? Yeah, but the uh, yeah that guy sold uh, pieces of the shroud of Jesus, sand from the tomb of Jesus, water. He had some kind of weird cleansing thing. He just you know, but he's still out there. I mean, and they said I think at his height he was making what like twenty eight million dollars oh, yeah. a year. See, that's the problem with like American evangelicals, yeah. man. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, he would take the printed out prayers and yeah. lay them out, and that was that in that scene where he was running down the hallway farting. It was to get to you his know, table we, we of should, prayers. Like, we should troll him and like pay for a prayer, but make it all about like an STD epidemic. That would be good. Maybe get him on board. I really maybe like, get involved. You know, get real oh, deep yeah. into it. So because I mean, we want those checks too, right? Yeah, I mean, I would think so. We deserve. We deserve some money for nothing, right? Yeah, That's what exactly. He's doing. I mean, if you can make money playing Yu-Gi-Oh cards, Jesus Christ, you'd be able to do it this way. Yeah, certainly. Um, yeah. So I do appreciate you coming, man. No, I mean, no, I don't really ha necessarily have anything else for you unless you got something, you know, big you want to get off your chest. Um, I would say go, you know, you came. Go ahead and plug people. Tell people where at the bar you work at and what city if you want. And maybe because yeah. a lot of our listeners are around here. Yeah, I mean, shoot, friends in the hill and Warner Robins, man. I mean, come there any day of the week minus Sunday because city council won't let us open. Vote Libertarian, but you know, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm there Wednesday through Saturday night bartending, managing the other days. So. Well, yep. managing all those damn days, but it's you work. know, yeah, come see us, man. It's a good time. We got good entertainment every night, good drink specials, except yeah. Wednesday. We just have 50 cent wings, but 
if you're not into the fancy, you know, avocado lime rub bullshit, we got the best wings in town. Yeah, absolutely. And I can attest to that. It is a good bar. And you're a good man. And I appreciate you coming by. Dude, we're definitely going to do this again. Hopefully you feel, you know. Oh, no, this was great. I'm down to come back. Absolutely. You were certainly brave enough to come by. um, And uh, I wasn't getting shot at, so it wasn't a bad day. (laughs) Not at all. Not around here. Just fart jokes. Just farts. Yeah. Uh, Feces occurs. Yeah, actually. And before we close, I did want to reference the fart because you mentioned it during the video. People may not have heard it about you crop dusting behind the bar. (laughs) Oh, God. Yeah. To be honest, I'm not going to go hide in the back to let one rip. I mean, it's loud enough in there and I'm always moving. People are in there smoking cigarettes and drinking poison. What? They can't smell your fart? Well, Friday night they did. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to lie, man. I don't know what I ate or didn't eat or what I put in my body that day, but I ran my my bar back or my floater, like a bar back. I ran her out from behind the bar. Not on purpose, but nice. I was kind of proud of it, to be honest. I mean, this age, I'm, you know, fuck it. Yeah, no, I'm way more proud of the farts that people do here than the ones they don't. Yeah, silent but deadly, fuck that. No, yeah. I want to hit a Richter scale. No, I couldn't agree more. <laughs> um, and we'll we'll close on this. Thank you, sir. Uh, do you Thank want you, people bothering you on social media? Yeah, sure. Why not? Okay. Um, you know, Adam Mitchell on Facebook. Um, oh, and also for people who don't know, Adam is a meme curating god. His memes infuriate everyone, and I love ah, yes. all of them. They're my I favorite use of the internet. Shit posting is a we're big fans of shit posting. Shit posting is an art form, and I consider you know Facebook it, my Sistine Chapel, and I'm Michelangelo. Yeah, and it's important too. We'll close on the reminder to listeners how important shit posting is. The internet is not a real place. That is not real human interaction. Yeah. Please shit post away. Yeah. All right. And we will close with this in honor of you. To alcohol, the cause of and solution to all of life's problems. Good night, everyone. Welcome. One gram. One gram. Welcome to the One Gram Army podcast. Welcome. One gram. Welcome. One one gram. Welcome. One gram. Welcome to the One Gram Army podcast.